You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burt. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host, Michelle Dosbert, and as always, I'm super excited to be here with you this afternoon. The time, the change, the climate, the season is September. I haven't been with you guys for a couple of weeks. I took Labor Day weekend off. I just wanted to just relax and just take it easy. Um, once a year, I typically do that. Once or twice a year, I just will take a day off. So I am back live with you guys. So thank you guys for watching our replay that we had for you two weeks ago. Today is a live show. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things as it pertains to our mental health. But I first and foremost, I want to thank all of the new listeners that are checking us out today. We are nothing without you guys. Old and new supporters, we thank you so much for taking your time, taking the time to spend a little bit of time with us this afternoon as we talk about these things that impact us. Um, I wanted to uh, give a little background for those that don't know what Real Chicks Rock is all about. We're all about creatively collaborating to connect and raise an awareness about issues regarding women. Um, by the way of community service engagement, public speaking, our workshops, and the arts. And this platform, we've been doing this for a little bit of time now. It's been a couple of years, and we're always glad to be here because it gives us an opportunity to talk about the issues and topics that impact us the most. And it gives us an opportunity to bring in some people that I think are pretty knowledgeable about the topic that we're talking about so they can be insightful, informative, and engaging. And we want to give people tools to empower them to be better in any aspect in the, of their life. So that's what it's about. So today it's no different. Um, today's topic is a little bit, it's, 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 we're still in this pandemic, right? We're still sheltering in place. We're learning to adjust to a new normal. We're wearing these masks. Um, we're social distancing. We're washing our hands more. We're being more cognizant of our immune system, our health, and our wellness. And it's six months in. Today's topic is six months in. Let's check our mental health. Um, a lot of people are still struggling, um, going through depression. Suicide rates are going up. Um, a lot of people who are single are having to deal with this alone by themselves. So it's a very di difficult period in time. People have lost their jobs. Um, we don't know what our economic situation is going to be in the next three to six months. We don't know what that looks like. It's a very heavy political year. Um, we have an opportunity to, to vote for a new president. Change is, is on the horizon. We have people that are taking the change to the streets. Um, through the Black Lives Matter movement and through other organizations and rallies and protesting. And we're trying to do it through voting as well. So it's a lot of different things that are going on through this year. And unfortunately, this year is not done. We still have about three more months and we and anything is possible. Anything can happen. So today I brought in a guest, someone that I met a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I just took to her spirit initially, immediately. And I think she's really good at what she does. Um, she's a counselor, right? And she's coming by way, all the way of New Orleans. That's right. Represent NOLA, right? Um, my guest today is Princess Lankos. Hi, Princess. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. How's the weather? How's things in New Orleans? How's it's, it going? Um, 
we're under a little bit of weather, I think, just due to the tropical storm weather that has been kind of passing through mm -hmm. um, the state. So we have been experiencing a lot of showers. Yeah, a lot of showers, a lot of rain and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing like Hurricane Katrina. Nothing oh, like no, that, right? No, no. no. <laughs> no. We're going to talk about that, too, just how things are going in New Orleans after that aftermath and things like that. Um, Princess, tell the people a little bit about yourself. I hear I hear an accent and it doesn't sound like it's from New Orleans. No, it's not. <laughs> so I'm originally from um, St. Croix, U.S. Mm -hmm. Virgin Islands. I came to New Orleans in um, 2009 to start my education. So I went to Loyola University um, and got my bachelor's of science and psychology, mm -hmm. um, continued working and pursuing a master's in counseling. And I'm currently finishing up my last semester in a PhD program for counselor education and supervision. Awesome. Um, so I've been in New Orleans since 2009, and I call it home as well. You call it home as well. New Orleans has been good to you. You look great, and you look great the very first day that we met. You have you seem to be very passionate about your career. Tell me, why did you choose that profession, Princess? Um, so I originally say that I was actually interested in criminal justice mm. when I started going to school in undergrad. Um, and I lost my father um, during my undergrad experience during my junior year, and I had to go see a grief counselor. Um, the experience was, it was bittersweet. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it could be a better experience. And so I took from it what I, what I needed to get from it and proceeded um, throughout my life. But then I actually took a job in, um, at a girl's group home. And really advocated for them to see counseling because they were dealing with, you know, being in between homes as far as the girls group home and going home to their parents on the weekend and just really needing that support system that counseling provided. Um, and through that experience, I decided that, hey, I think this is a profession that I really want to be passionate about, mm -hmm. really want to participate in, really want to serve the community in. I think it's a role that came naturally to me. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to pursue it. And um, yeah, that's pretty much how that happened. Wow. Wow. You know, counseling is not an easy thing because you have to position yourself to be a good listener, right? Yeah. And to try to be non-biased in a lot of conversations and topics, but yet also kind of keep the door open so people can continue to come back and, mm -hmm. ch and share and express. How do you determine if someone is changing or how do you determine one's growth when they come to see you as a counselor? Is it easy to detect or... Yeah, I think the most important thing to remember is that um, the client sets their own goals. Okay. We're not here. I think that's really the difference between life coaching and counseling. Okay. We're not really here to tell you exactly what to do. We're here to kind of be a guide for you, be that unbiased soundboard that you need. But you set your own goals and you determine what kind of quality of life that you want. And we help you kind of get the tools and the guidance to get there. Mm -hmm. And so truly, um, I think a lot of the work is done with we collaborate, you know, and so for people to understand that this is this is not something that you're doing on your own, but it's something that we're rooting for you. We're here to support you through this. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, it's not really about being right or wrong, but really determining what's best for you, what mm -hmm. works for you. Mm -hmm. Now, Princess, prior to the pandemic, did you was it safe to say that you were seeing people for counseling and was were were there was their health or wellness overall improving at that time? Did you see things kind of improving in the state of mental health for people? Um, I think it depends what that, that their presenting issue was. Okay. Um, when they came to counseling prior to the pandemic, I will say, um, since the pandemic has started, a lot of issues around anxiety and depression, mm. of course, um, have surfaced due to the isolation due to quarantine. Yeah. Um, in addition to a lot of people losing their employment, I think that has been 
one of the barriers to people seeking mental health treatment is worrying about um, how do I pay for services? And right. so making sure that, you know, finances are never truly a barrier for you to seek mental health wellness mm-hmm. and just pay attention to your wellness overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the triggers you're seeing um, now, Princess, now that we're in this p- pandemic and still shelter in place and isolation and trying to identify a new normal? And now we have kids that have to go back to school. And so that's a factor. Right. So what are some of the triggers that you're seeing with the people that are coming to you for counseling? Yeah. So I would definitely say I think you hit it right on the head with that, like everybody being at home. Um, So you're isolated from some of the social activities that you were used to engaging in, but also dealing with, okay, what does this new work life balance look like? Mm -hmm. If you're working from home, trying to balance the kids, um, engaging in virtual learning, Um, in addition to we also have police brutality that's been mm. happening um, since the pandemic has started. And so right. the anxiety, like symptoms of anxiety and depression um, and fear, that kind of comes with that as well. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of different things. How can we determine someone's health if it's deteriorating? How do we tell that's happening? Yeah, so I think people need to pay attention to what they're comfortable with. But also, you know, if you're you're paying attention to that increase, like, I want to sleep all day, um, you want to eat all day, or you're not eating at all, um, just being in this constant, like, you're not feeling like yourself. I think mm-hmm. people know themselves, and right. they know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And so making sure, like, if you're not feeling good, don't ignore it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Talk about it. Seek professional help if you need to. And so really pay attention to those telltale signs. And if they're not paying attention to themselves, I'm sure there are friends and family members who will take note that, hey, you're not acting like yourself. And you may even, if it's not the the drowsiness or the increase or decrease in um, eating habits, it may be that like constant agitation. You're very agitated mm. all the time. And so really getting to the root of that, the source of that as well. Mm. Yeah. Agitation is good. I mean, that's a, that's an indication because it is, it's, it's very difficult because we're frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. Because we know there's a positive side to us, right? We're trying to affirm ourselves and stay in a positive space. And we know that, this is going to pass, right? This too shall pass. But I think the agitation is that we don't know when it's going to pass. And it seems like we don't have control as a consumer, as an American. We just, especially as a black American, we feel like the walls at times are coming in on us because, because of the social injustice, because of the police brutality, because, 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 because fill in the blank. So it just seems like there's just more stress or more real life situations that are on top of us. And now we can't go out and get lit, right? We can't, <laughs> we can't go and turn up. We can't do the things that we used to do to kind of release the stress, right. even if it meant just going to the library or to a coffee shop or going out to dinner, things that we used to do to kind of balance these things, these injustices or these things that are happening in our life, we don't have those outlets or they're not readily available to us like they used to, like they're limited in time or availability. They're limited in space, right? There's only but so many people that can be in certain locations and spaces at one time. So it's just, it's just a lot for us to take in and take on. So is there anything that we could do to kind of just keep our mind clear? Like what can, what else can we do? Because sometimes princess, and this has happened to us often in the black community that w- even when we have things going on, there's 
some people in our village that'll say, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing. You're going to be all right. You know, there's nothing going on with you. You're going to be all right. So whenever, whenever it deals with our health, especially our mental well-being, it's, it's not always taken seriously. You know, yeah. is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, it is. I would say um, specifically to the Black community as well, I think we have to acknowledge and reflect what are we actually in control of and the coping skills that we've been using to deal with issues that we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, were they effective? Yeah. Were we still having those issues after all the partying and the celebration? Those issues were still there. Mm. And so not to neglect that, hey, there is always, you know, room for celebration. There's always a great experience with that. But I think it was an opportunity for us to really reflect on how are we truly adjusting to the times and how are we truly coping with everything that is happening? And are we using healthy skills to do so? Mm. And so having the opportunity to reflect either with, you know, your social support or with a professional about what is healthy. And so taking that time to either meditate, um, to journal and truly get to know yourself. I think we got caught up um, just with the way things were progressing and just like the hype of social media and just allowing ourselves mm-hmm. to be distracted. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were faced with our inner issues, any kind of demons that we were facing, whatever the issues were, we were kind of sweeping them on the rug and just kind of dealing with the distractions to kind of deal with that. And so I think it challenged a lot of people to really face those issues Mm -hmm. and really address them. And so I think when we're looking at the pandemic, when we're looking at things like that, we have to look for that silver lining. Mm -hmm. I always tell clients to look at what are you actually in control of? What changes are you actually in control of? We're not in control of what other people's decision-making skills Mm -hmm. are, what their actions are, but we're in control of how we react and how we adjust. I think, um, in order to come on top and feel like you are successful um, with the, the times that we're dealing with, it's truly um, coming down to your ability to adapt. Mm. And so what you're choosing, what tools are you using, how are you using this time? Um, and I think for a lot of people taking the time to truly reflect on who they've been, where they want to be, what tools that they have, what they can use to grow. Um, and I think that's truly empowering. And I think people need to spend some time feeling empowered in addition to spending some time with their family. Mm. I think a lot of us got caught up in just kind of going, going, going yeah. on to the next thing. And so now we're in this situation where we have to be around each other. Mm-hmm. Take that time to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your what are your challenges? What are mm-hmm. what are your strengths and how can we play off of that mm-hmm. and truly learn how to communicate with each other as well? Yeah, it is a very vital time. A lot of people are reinventing themselves, if you will. Right. Taking this opportunity to do the work, to understand who they really are and right. purging themselves from things that are toxic, that just really doesn't add value. Um, mm-hmm. It is hard, though. Adaption is hard. Change is hard. We never like that, princess. You make it seem easy. Like, oh, adapt. We don't like that stuff. We don't like change. We don't like change. Is that change is uncomfortable. Yes. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be challenging. And a lot of the work that you're going to do in session, you also have to do out of session. And that is how you're going to see the true progress. Mm-hmm. And so... Being prepared for that battle, but also knowing what are your supports, what are your systems, what are your tools that you have there for you to ground you. And so whether, um, and I think a lot of people feel like they have to choose between therapy and religion. Mm. And you, you don't. Okay. You know, make sure that you ground yourself. Faith has always, for me, I consider myself spiritual. Yes. And so I pull from different 
you know, religions and different practices and whatever grounds me, whatever feels good, whatever centers me mm-hmm. is what I use. And so being able to make sure that you can incorporate spirituality into your, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do for self-care. Because I think what something that I've been constantly telling clients over and over again is that self-care is a necessity, is not a luxury. Mm. And so for a long time, you know, we've been caught up in this lifestyle of going and going that we put it on the back burner. And a lot of us were burnt out and acknowledged it or didn't acknowledge it. And so now this is the time to really address and make the changes that you need to make to prioritize self-care. Because when you do so, you're going to be more effective for everyone around you. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And I think that was a harsh reality for a lot of people to face. Yeah. But a lot of people are willing to make the change as well because we have the time to do so. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, good friend of mine, Anana Harris-Paris, um, founder of Sister Caroline, Sister Caroline, she always says that self-care is a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful it is because we just take for granted that we don't need it and we absolutely do need it. Um, Princess, I want you to I want you to help me help some other people. I, I know there are still quite a few people that are struggling mm-hmm. with the whole shelter in place, the pandemic, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Um, they're still reluctant in going out, still having an issue and just being amongst other people um, still thinks there's a lot of conspiracy theories behind it. Just, just a lot of things going on. So if I was such a person, um, what would you say to me to kind of get me encouraged or enlightened? Or how do you think, what would you say to me to kind of get me going in the right direction to come back into society? Because right now I feel like I, I can't I can't handle this. So I think the biggest thing is for individuals to set goals. Okay. Like what is it that you truly want to achieve during this time? Where do you see yourself? Um, because this too shall pass. Okay. It's not going to be our forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and a part of that is like that adaptability that we were talking about. And so taking the time to reflect and get to know yourself. Know what you like, what you don't like, but pay attention to your strengths. Okay. I think a lot of us are very critical about ourselves. Mm. Or like our harshest critics. And so really paying attention to those strengths and how can we use those strengths to overcome? Mm-hmm. And so I know a lot of people have taken this time and say, hey, I'm unemployed. Guess what? I'm going to start that business that I mm-hmm. really wanted to start. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are also taking the seat back and be like, you know what? I think I really need to start practicing meditation. Mm-hmm. I really need to start practicing paying attention to how I feel and mm-hmm. not ignoring those feelings right. and allowing yourself to feel those things as well and expressing them and seeking the professional help that you need to seek. And whether it is a counselor, whether it is a social worker, a life coach, whoever you feel comfortable with, whoever you align, um, take that opportunity to do so. Do that self-work because you're going to come out better than you were in the beginning mm-hmm. if you take the time to do that self-work. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't stress enough how important it is mm-hmm. for people to really pay attention to themselves and to really analyze how the relationships that they have around them are serving them. Mm-hmm. And really taking the time to really um, reflect on that and and just have a plan moving forward. I think a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, my God, this is happening. Yes. And it's great to be present. Mm-hmm. I'm always stressing how important it is to be grounded, to be present, to pay attention. I think before I start sessions for majority of my clients, I, I take an opportunity for them to close their eyes. I said, pay attention to the sound that's furthest from you, that's in the room. 
and now listen to your breathing and just cont- like just really center yourself mm-hmm. and be present mm-hmm. so that you can focus on the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people get caught up in the anxiety of the uncertainty, yes. of the, the uncertainty of employment, right. of a lot of these election. Right. It's very anxiety provoking. Yeah. But again, ask yourself, what do you really have control over? Mm-hmm. You have control over your right to vote. Go out and vote. That's on the to-do list. That is one of your goals. I'm going to go out and vote. Mm-hmm. Whatever is the outcome, you did your part. Right. Right. And then continue to advocate. When we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people felt conflicted. They felt like I should be out there protesting, right. but I'm tired. Mm. I'm exhausted. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. Everybody is advocating in their own way. Whether it's that you're, you know, you're shopping black and you're buying from um from small business owners that are predominantly black or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing, you don't have to actually be out in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, if, even if you're just checking on yourself and checking on others, mm-hmm. that is still part of that work that needs to be done because I think the biggest part of uh, the root, the core of it is that we're collaborating. We're not competing against each other. Nice. And we have that sense of unity mm-hmm. and that support and that community and that village that we need to progress forward. Mm. So taking the time to form that village for yourself, you know, taking the time to make sure that you have those supports established for you so you can have a plan. Because I think what people fail to realize, a lot of success is due to preparation. Mm. Mm -hmm. So don't feel as though if you're using this time to prepare that it's wasted time. Yeah. Because it's not. Wow. So be patient with yourself Mm -hmm. about that because this is our time to prepare for what's to come. We do have only a few months left in 2020. I know a lot of us came into 2020 like this is our year, 2020 vision. I'm going to tackle all the goals. I'm going to secure the flag, whatever it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Pandemic hit, everything just kept going and then going. And it's just like people are dying. and 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 it's, you know, it's okay. But I think this is the part where some people's spirituality came into place. Mm. It's kind of like, what is this telling me? Right. No, and I was like, take this time to reflect. Mm. Maybe we're going too fast. Mm. And I think we have to remember that we're gonna go further together. Yeah. You wanna get somewhere you can go faster by yourself, but you're gonna go further together. So taking that time to truly reflect on that and, and really secure that village and the foundation and prepare yourself for twenty twenty one. It's gonna be okay. Wow, that was a lot of nuggets in there. A lot of lot of good things in there, Princess. Um, so many things that you said there. It, it's. I think oftentimes we do beat up ourselves. We don't focus on our strengths. We look at our weakness. We take the um, "woe is me." Um, I'm, I am um, not necessarily feel sorry for me, but. You know, please, you know, I'm just in this pity kind of pity state, if you will, in some cases. And I just want people to take it one day at a time. I think that's the best thing that we can also advise people and do the things that they like to do. I think when you're dealing with anxiety, you don't or depression or this I'm not in control you stem away from the things that you like that gave you happiness or joy. That could be as easy as maybe walks in the park or exercising outdoors or dancing at home more or whatever it is that you used to do that you're finding yourself reluctant in doing because of everything that's going on. Right. And there's also the thing too, that there's so many people at home with you. If you do have family at home that you don't have a minute to yourself, so oftentimes people don't have an opportunity to exhale and have those moments 
to really think about what's important for them, you know, because they're doing so much for everybody else in the house. So it's just so many different variables that people are going through at this time. But we want everybody to remain encouraged to just take it one day at a time. Right. And also, I think a point with that is I have a lot of moms, new moms. Um, especially who are just trying to adapt, like I don't have any time to myself. Mm -hmm. I underestimate that time that we have in the bathroom. Mm. We underestimate that we prioritize. If you got to go, there's no question about it. (laughs) Nobody questions it. Everybody excuses it. They give you that time. Mm -hmm. time. We're supposed to be washing our hands for two minutes. Yeah. Take that time to reflect. Take that time to breathe. I think a lot of us are not paying attention to the fact that we're not breathing. We have our shoulders up to our ears, our jaws are constantly under our body. (laughs) A lot of that stress and anxiety and we don't even realize it. Take a a moment to breathe and look yourself in the mirror and be like, let me adjust. Let me recenter. Because again, and ask yourself, okay, there are things that you don't have control over. Mm -hmm. And like I said, a lot of that anxiety that we're having are things that we're trying to control that we cannot control. Mm -hmm. And we need to accept that and work with it. Get your family together to meditate with you. Have Mm -hmm. meditation breaks with you. Mm -hmm. Incorporate that into the virtual learning and to create new family routines. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we need to start looking at change as an opportunity. Yeah. Not looking at it as an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. And and let me ask you princess, what is your definition of meditation? I know you've referenced that a few times in our conversation today. What is your definition of meditation? It's what you need it to be. Okay. okay. So I think for some people um I myself, I can speak to me personally like I have I I'm very spiritual and, and I have a lot of practices that are around and reflecting and, and honoring my ancestors that came before mm. me. And so taking that time to really sit there and talk to them, taking right. that time to really reflect on all the things that I've accomplished, you know, and where I'm going and where I want to be and, and speaking that into the universe, speaking that into existence. But for some people, it may just be turning on a Headspace app. Okay. Speaking that five minutes. Mm-hmm. I think for those who have an Apple Watch, there's a reminder that comes with that watch that reminds you to breathe mm. that a lot of people ignore. Mm. So go ahead and pay attention to that as well. Or turning on rain music, whatever it is. But I think also from me being from the Virgin Islands, I listen to soca music. And sometimes that is grounding and meditating <laughs> for me to listen yeah. to a, a soca song and, and dance and right. set myself and remind myself where I'm from. Right. And Powered by that, mm-hmm. and that is grounding and meditation for me as well. Um, but I think the for the core meditation is that opportunity to truly reflect and to feel like yourself, mm-hmm. and you can take that mask off right. and the clothes off. I think a lot of us wear hats, you know, and so whether it's a mom, you're a wife, you're a teacher, whatever your job is, whatever different roles that you have. But when do you take that time to acknowledge that, like, okay, I'm princess? Right. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Who are you outside of those different rules? Do you even know who you are and yeah. what you like? Yeah. And so for me, even if it's something like dancing um, to soca music, at least I'm reminded who I am. This is where I'm from. This is who I am. This is what I like to be. And I feel grounded and I feel good and I feel, you know, like myself. And that can be meditation for me as well. Mm-hmm. We talked about Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, do you still think it continues to make a difference with everything that's going on? Yeah, I think a lot of us have to stop letting social media dictate what is important. 
to mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. Okay, just because we have moments where things are trending excessively, right? And they, this is this is what social media is. Okay, but we know in our hearts that that hyper vigilance, that we're feeling that fear, that concern, mm-hmm. that worry, um, that passion that we feel about social justice, that never leaves us. And for a lot of us, we were born into it. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, and we can, we can talk, we can have a whole separate conversation about that generational historical trauma right. that's already incorporated into us. Mm. As we come out the room and we're in our community, yeah. that really leaves us. And so we're constantly, you know, especially when we're in, in spaces that are predominantly white, we're on edge. Yes. We're to our surroundings and we're not truly comfortable mm-hmm. um, to, to acknowledge that yes the Black Lives Matter movement was created around a certain time but we've been dealing with this you know mm-hmm. and I've been interviewing people from my dissertation around police brutality mm-hmm. and everybody always cites that moment that Rodney King mm-hmm. right. always so it's, if we really you know the Black Lives Matter movement is not just about the specific movement it's about us coming together as a community and truly advocating for a change and not being silent about it yeah. and just keep pushing the agenda until we see the change that we want to see. Mm-hmm. And so just because you may not post on social media about it, or we may not speak about it, doesn't mean that we're not doing the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the movement has stopped. I think, like I said, everybody's participating in the way that they can and are able to. Um, but, you know, be patient with yourself, be kind with yourself, and also acknowledge your strengths as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And I think that people have to remember that as well when they're, they're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Social injustice continues, princess. It just, it just won't stop. Yeah. Um, incarcerations are going up and down or about the same. What, do, what, do, what is your take on that? What's going on? And I know there's a, there's a different temperature in each city. So feel free to speak upon it in New Orleans for us, if you like. Oh. I know in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, there is a lot of discussion. We are known for how, you know, how much we incarcerate individuals, predominantly African-American men and women. And so that has been in the media. That has been in the news. That is a a statistic. I think a lot of people associate Louisiana. They talk about Angola prison. Um, So that's nothing new. Um, But I think for me, primarily, I have done groups in the jail. I've, I've been in that in that light as well, as well as, you know, done work with people who have been, you know, had an opportunity to be released and they're trying to reintegrate back into the community and dealing with those families as well. And I think for a lot of people, they have to remember, and some people may not like this comparison, but I think for me, it kind of hits home and it allows people to kind of get past that obstacle, but to really think about incarceration as when individuals are deployed, because that's what it is. They are sent off. You know, and their families are missing them. They're mm-hmm. missing that role. They're missing that opportunity for that person to provide those resources as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of children are, are growing up without fathers, mm-hmm. without mothers, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Right. And, um, and when those individuals are in there, they're experiencing um, a lot of trauma. And they come back and they're never the same. Families are never the same. And so when they are reintegrated back and they come back into the community, they're trying to adjust and find their role. The families are trying to figure out how this is going to go because they adjusted to them being gone. Um, And it's just a lot of difficulties, a lot of obstacles, a lot of trauma, a lot of hard discussions to be had. And things are just never truly the same. Mm -hmm. And so when we're living in a a country that is perpetuating this kind of um, 
it's it's really this damage that is happening into our, our communities. Mm-hmm. It's very hurtful. It's impactful, and it's and it's hard to not not feel like it's an injustice because it is. It is. You know, so a lot of people like to point fingers like, oh, if they did this or they did that. And I think even with the Black Lives Matter movement, there has been arguments about like, oh, he should have just did this or if he had just, you know, and it's just like we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, And and so like if things are truly supposed to be fair. And of course, I think I grew up my mother constantly telling me life is never fair. Mm -hmm. You know, you're Mm -hmm. constantly told that. And so. I spent so much time preparing, you know, trying to obtain these degrees and secure these, you know, specific jobs and trying to, but all in hopes of making a change in the community that I was in, also sending a message back home Mm -hmm. that just because you may have grown up in an environment, that it doesn't have to be this way forever. Right, right. And we are catalysts for change, but we have to, you know, be strong and have the courage and have the village to do so. And I think what a lot of people have to remember with people who are incarcerated um, is that to have patience mm-hmm. and compassion. Yeah. Also allow individuals to, and really encourage them to seek out those resources to help them. Because even in the African-American community, especially, we don't talk about mental health. Right. And what we do, um, there's so much stigma around it. Mm-hmm. People feel like if you're talking about mental health, we're talking about mental illness. And I think people need to be able to really separate that because just because we're talking about mental health, it's, it's encompassing. Yes. It, is not, it doesn't mean that we're diagnosing you with something. It means that I'm encouraging you to prioritize taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally. Right. We go to the doctor and take care of ourselves physically. Mm-hmm. You know, and so changing that attitude that we have towards it changing the pressure that we put on black women in our community to be super women mm. and not, you know, and put their own feelings, their own, whatever they're feeling, whatever they're experiencing, put it on the back burner and be self-sacrificial and serve. And so taking that moment to break those cycles and say, Hey, you're not doing okay. This is not, let, let this not be our norm. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever um, violence that we may be having in our community, we have, Black men who feel like they can't be vulnerable. They have to right. be in box. Yeah. Always being this very hyper-masculine, allowing them to feel, allowing them to cry, teaching our, our sons that it's okay. You know, teaching our daughters that it's okay to yeah. express your feelings as well. And you don't always have to be strong. Yeah. And that we can work together and get through this together. And I think um, that is a lot of the conversation that happens when we're talking about individuals who are incarcerated and coming back but also making sure that we maintain that communication, maintain that hope for those who are incarcerated and so that they don't lose hope as well. Mm-hmm. The conversations within a black home is so totally different than any other home. And I think now with everything that's going on, people are really starting to understand how our upbringing is so different um, for other cultures. Right. And even now, because the mere fact that your mom had to tell you that life isn't fair. That isn't a conversation that's happening in other households per se, right? It's really primarily within our, within our race, within our community that we have to go the extra distance. We have to be prepared. We have to, you know, there's conversations now where parents are telling their sons not to wear a hood, you know? So it's just a different dynamic. It's unfortunate um, and that we hope that things will change. We're starting to see a little bit of change, but 
We're talking about 400 years. It's just a lot to overcome in a short period of time. And, and we're just starting to chip at the iceberg. But it is a lot. And it is oftentimes we don't know how to handle someone's mental space, um, especially when the family dynamic has changed. Like you were saying, incarceration is something that is is very difficult for our families. And it's happening. Right, wrong, or indifference. Sometimes we're, our people are getting incarcerated unjustly. And what can we do about that? We're dealing with that piece of it. And then the fact that there's this time that they won't be here. And then when they come back home. So it's just so much going on that, yeah, it, it's a lot, but we're still here. I really like the superwoman uh, comment because we are learning to, to not do that. Like yesterday I was supposed to work. I didn't work <laughs> and I don't feel guilty about it I because we feel like that every hour or minute of the day, we need to be doing something. Something needs to be done. And, and it's probably true, but I it's not for us to do it all at once. Right. We have to know when to relax. When is it important to put back into yourself? Sometimes just watching a favorite program or just being on the phone or just doing nothing at all or getting some rest are all the ingredients that you need to continue to be a better you. So doing everything at once for everyone all the time, you're wearing yourself thin. Michelle, it's about balance. Mm. And a lot of us, you know, struggle with that. And, yeah. and not that it's, it ne- may not necessarily get easier as we continue to just take on things. Our plays continue to be, you know, but it's about balance and it's about prioritizing and it's about preparing and organizing. Right. Um, and truly taking the time to do so mm-hmm. and also you know and having boundaries yeah i think we, we put ourselves in positions where we feel like we have to answer to everyone and everything and we always have to you know and show up and it's okay to if you're not feeling that dinner date you don't have to go mm-hmm. 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 Saying so and not being feeling so pressured to always say yes to everything yes and not feeling pressure to give an answer to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so it's just one of those things where you can say, like, actually, I, I, I'm not going to make it. Or, you know, I I'm think I'm going to just take this time um, for myself and not feel like you have to explain yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we have to get out of that that um, that habit as well and yeah. feeling comfortable advocating for ourselves and our needs mm-hmm. and stop putting ourselves in these very uncomfortable positions and because what it results in is a lot of resent mm-hmm. and um and just resent with ourselves as well and shame and guilt and so really stepping outside of that and just really answering to ourselves and being honest with ourselves and those right. around us right princess i want to talk to you about hurricane katrina i do um, just so much has happened to New Orleans. That was very unfortunate, but that was nature. That was mother nature just doing what it does and decided it wanted to land where it did. And it just had a tremendous impact to the city of New Orleans. Now that it's so many years past, have you seen a difference there for New Orleans? Has things improved for our people there? Um, so I will say, like I said, I came here in 09. Um, I was still in the Virgin Islands during the time that Katrina happened. Mm-hmm. But I both I grew up in a military household, so both of my parents were faced with that opportunity to be deployed to New Orleans mm-hmm. to assist um, with those relief efforts. And so that was a conversation in our household, and I think a conversation when I came um, to New Orleans originally. And, and being in a cohort where 
um, individuals were still kind of dealing with some of the, the traumatic yeah. effects of Katrina. Mm-hmm. And I think even now more so, I'm a very strong advocate. It doesn't matter if I am, you know, working in the prison, if I'm working with substance use um, clients, private practice, whatever the case may be. But when that anniversary comes up, I'm very, you know, cognizant about it. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and making sure that people feel supported in that moment. As far as the city of New Orleans, I will say, um, New Orleans has its up and downs, like any other city. Mm-hmm. You know, I think currently we are dealing with that issue of gentrification that is yes. happening yes. across the country. And so I, I think since Katrina, you have really seen that kind of pickup. Mm-hmm. And that has been um, a lot of, that added stressor for a lot of individuals right. as well. But I will say there has been specific attention and resources towards mental health since Katrina has happened. And I am very proud about that. Of course, there's always room for growth. Um, but I think that really highlighted um, some attention that needed to be to needed to be attended to as far as mental health and resources available for everyone mm-hmm. um, and making them accessible as well. And mm-hmm. so seeing that, you know, serving on different community, um, different committees and really respecting that, hey, you know, that this, the community, the um the community of color that predominantly the minorities in the city need access to these resources and you know how can we serve and how can we make them feel comfortable coming to 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 us mm-hmm. and i think that's what it is as, as well that stigma and that that obstacle that you know prior to a lot of people are stuck in that like they were never there for us like why now you know right, right. and so feel comfortable and a lot of that has been really encouraging um, people of color to go and, and seek those, you know, professions and get those degrees and put yourself in that position to serve your community. Because I think a therapist of color does make a difference for a lot of people. It does make a difference for some of these children who were born during that time. Mm-hmm. I think that was that has been a, a topic of discussion because a lot of people have seen that what they call, term, quote unquote, Katrina babies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of um, difficulties in school with attention or you know, um, opposition just really just may be difficult to deal with. And I think a lot of that speaks to some of that unresolved trauma that they they experienced, whether it was in the womb or growing up as a child, but also their parent. And so really addressing and and normalizing that, hey, counseling is an option. These are the resources that are available to you. And so I have seen that change Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, uh, I think the year that um, I came to New Orleans, the Saints won the Super Bowl. And so that was a true, like, spirit lifter for the city. And I think a lot of spirits were lifted. There was a lot of positive momentum going um, for the city overall. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, since Katrina, things have grown. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, there's always more room for growth as well. Mm-hmm. Princess, can you share with uh, uh, the listeners some of the free mental health screenings or counseling services that might be afforded to us if we really need it? How do, how do we get to it? No, so I think it differs from state to state, mm-hmm. but I always encourage people when you call those hotlines, whether it's, it's a crisis hotline for us, I know, um, and I think it may be statewide 211. If you call that hotline, um, if you call a suicide hotline and you can just ask them a question, it doesn't necessarily be, it has to be that, hey, I'm in trouble, but just, hey, I need some resources. They have them for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think reaching out to those local department of health or whatever resources that are local for you. Um, for us, it is um, the Metropolitan Human Services District. They provide a lot of those resources. But I think what people fail to realize is that you have that opportunity to talk to your primary care physician. Mm. 
you go and see them. Mm. Tell them, hey, I, I don't feel right. Like, And what people fail to realize is a lot of primary care physicians actually prescribe some of those mental health um, medications mm. and, and encourage people to go see those counselors and like, hey, I know okay. someone. Um, okay. I know for me especially, when I go to my primary um, care physician, my OBGYN, if you're mm. going to go see her mm -hmm. as well or him, um, talking to them about that. I've told them, like, here's my card. They're like, I thank you. I appreciate it because I have people asking for resources mm. or specifically looking for a therapist of color and not knowing where to turn. And so don't negate that, that, you know, we have been working hard as a mental health um, profession to really integrate with, you know, um, medical professionals and really give them that knowledge that we're here, what are we, our resources, what is our role? Because I think what people fail to realize is that the way of the future, how things are going, is that no one just has one person that they're seeing for their health. And we're looking at things holistically. So you may have, like I said, your OBGYN, mm -hmm. your primary care physician, you may see someone for blood work, you may see someone for cardiology yeah. or whatever the case may be, but having those conversations with the professionals because they have those knowledge, mm -hmm. they, they have that knowledge. But also we're talking to those professionals to be like, hey, don't hold back. If you're noticing those things, have that conversation with them and don't make it feel uncomfortable because I think a lot of people are uncomfortable talking yeah. and being honest about, you know, whatever struggles that they're right. facing. Right, right. Because uh, oftentimes struggles mean embarrassment, like we're embarrassed by what's going on and the fact that we don't have it together, the mere fact that we have to even come up with enough courage to say that I think I have a problem is a lot, you know, for people. So it, it, we just have to come to grips to understand that there are services, there are opportunities out here for us to get the help that we need. Yeah. Normalizing, asking for help. Mm -hmm. I think not just for black women, but just in our community as well. Yeah. That you know, we, we have a lot of pride and we're like, mm -hmm. we're not going to ask for help, you know, or even asking for help from professionals that don't look like us, you right. know, so when we're in those situations as well, but normalizing that it's okay to ask for help, mm -hmm. you know, like people are being funded to provide you help. Mm. So take advantage of that, yeah. those resources, yeah. you know, because they're there for you. Princess, are you seeing more clients now with the pandemic or has it been about the same? How's it been going for you and your in your services? So I think there was this um, this pause in okay. services as a lot of people were like, oh, what now? Because you are seeing in person and then we're switching to telehealth. Yeah. So, yeah. So that transition, you had some some people who may have been of the older generation and not really um, comfortable with technology who are resistant, mm. but still wanted that help. And so getting them accommodated to that, mm -hmm. um, there were some challenges in the beginning, but I think it has been, we've overcome them and they're, they're getting, and they're actually finding it that actually this is more comfortable for me. Like really? it's more accessible for me, mm. you know, especially with those. Cause I also have a certification in rehabilitation counseling. So working with individuals who have disabilities. And so making sure that, you know, it's been even more accessible to those who have disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, but even more so, I think what I've seen is that a lot of people, especially like I said, in uh, the, the black community and the, uh, the Latinx community as well, mm -hmm. are taking advantage of seeking therapy because it's right there. Okay. You know, and so having that opportunity and what I, I always tell people is take that time to interview your counselor, mm -hmm. you know, so so because a lot of people are, are jaded by that one counseling experience that didn't go well. Right, right. 
people need to understand is that it's about having a good fit mm-hmm. and you're not going to fit well with everybody. So take that time to meet that person, feel out their energy. And it may be kind of difficult because we're meeting via a screen. But honestly, you can tell if this person is willing to, you know, really work for you and advocate for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's just taking that leap of faith and going out there and knowing that it's more accessible to you now than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. And so really, I think people have been paying attention to that with the Black Lives Matter movement. It highlighted mental health. And so a lot of people were like, you know, I've always thought about it, but are considering it even more. Celebrities are talking about seeking mental health treatment. So that has pushed it as well. And I think because we're we're ultimately faced when we're in quarantine, there is no ignoring. Mm. We've been affected by this. Mm. This was not our norm. Mm -hmm. Like I myself, I will personally say I'm an introvert. So at first I was like, this is the bee's knees. Like I'm... (laughs) Peace, like I'm not being bothered. Like I don't have to go outside. Like it was just, you know, I remember making a mug for my mom, and she was just li- like, she loved quarantine. She was like the best thing ever. It's a point where I think a lot of us struggle, and that becomes that control thing, mm-hmm. where people are telling you you can't do something. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and so then that's where we're like, oh, I don't like this anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and it becomes uncomfortable or we start seeing people, our loved ones are passing away due to this COVID-19. Mm-hmm. That's adding pressure to things. Like we're not allowed to attend a funeral. Right. You know, I had an uncle who passed away and it was just a conversation on the phone. Right. Said, should we hold a memorial service via Zoom? Like, what should we do? Like, mm-hmm. what is, what do we do? But right. also the process of like, oh, it's going to take weeks to claim the body. And it was just, it was just. And it's just such a, a reality shock yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. But normalizing that we're all going through this together. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's more difficult than others. But we're not here to judge you. Right. You know, and I think what people have to realize is mental health professionals are rooting for you. They're not judging you. Mm-hmm. They're welcoming for you. And, and, and it's just we are, we're here, again, to be that unbiased soundboard that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have that empowerment because at the source of a lot of the work that I do, it's about feeling empowered, mm. make the decisions that you need to make to prioritize yourself, um, to do the work that needs to be done so that you can feel good about where you're going and who you are. Mm-hmm. What What's next for you, princess? You're, you're doing so many great things in New Orleans and you're passionate about the things that you're doing. What would you like to see yourself do next? What's next for you? Well, like I said, I'm going to be completing um, my doctorates in December. Um, So I'll be done with that. And and that'll give me the opportunity to to teach at a university level. Mm. Um, And so right now, I am actually adjunct teaching at a university level right now. Um, And so for me, I've been having conversations with my partner about moving to Atlanta. But for a lot of my clients, you know, I think even some friends and um, professionals, colleagues are just like, what does that mean for like your practice that you started here? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I want to continue that. Yeah. I think that's the benefit of, of having access to telehealth is mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't want to abandon my clients. Right. You know? And so it's just a matter of like, hey, I want to maintain my licensure in Louisiana and get a licensure in, in Georgia mm-hmm. and just spread my wings and serving and advocating and, and really working in my purpose. Because I think what people have to realize is that um, you're truly happy when your passion and your purpose are married. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's the work that needs to be done. I think I, I will forever be grateful to New Orleans, just like I'm grateful to the Virgin Islands for really shaping who I am and really 
fostering that passion that I have now. Um, and I, I want to continue spreading my wings. It's not about abandonment. I think that's really the work that I want to be done is just taking my agency further. Working in a university setting allows me to help foster the growth and the resources and the tools that future counselors need because I'm very passionate about the gatekeeping for the profession. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of people have to understand that when people see counselors, I was like, this is their first introduction to mental health care. Right. It looks like. And I don't want people to be scared away. I want people to, to understand, especially in our community, that this is for you and it's by you and, you know, we're here for you. And so um, I'm very, very, very passionate about that and really pouring into the counselors of tomorrow mm-hmm. for them to understand how important it is for you to have that multicultural competency and those tools and resources available to you. Um, as well as mentorship, because that's a huge role in our profession, also our community, that we have mentors yes. who are guiding you and, and have, you know, experience to speak from. Yes. So you have to go through those experiences by yourself. And um, I will say to a lot of people, I have done a lot of my education in predominantly white institutions, like from grade school to undergrad, um, my master's, and even now with my Ph.D., um, and it's allowed me an opportunity to truly to grow, mm-hmm. you know, and grow past some of those obstacles that were presented to me and really understand um, what, you know, what black Americans are facing, because that was something that was difficult to me at first, because I consider myself Afro-Caribbean mm-hmm. growing up in a predominantly black culture. And we are the majority and we are empowered. And we talk about slavery. It is about the heroes of slavery. Wow. We focus on on the negativity and and so really having that mindset and coming to the states and really experiencing racism for the first time um was difficult and challenging but also i had that community that village that was like you're not alone right um and this is you know what's available to you this is what you can do um but having that that opportunity to reflect for yourself who you want to be Mm -hmm. where you want to go um, what you want to represent, what role you want to play in your community, because it's not enough just to be there for yourself. You know, you have to leave that legacy. And I think that's really what's been focusing on in our African-American community as well is the importance of leaving that legacy mm-hmm. uh, behind as well. You got a lot of great work ahead of you, Princess. You've done some great things already, and I'm I'm excited for you. Congratulations on getting your Ph.D. Um, at the end of the year. And of course, you're always welcome to come here to Atlanta. You guys can come on and yeah, we could we could take two more. Come on and uh, be here with us. I think your 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 telehealth uh, practice will continue to grow. Um, hopefully, after the conversation today, some people will just call you and ask for some advice. How can people reach you, Princess? What's the best way for people to contact and reach you and find you? So you can reach me on my website, um, www.compassionatecarecounselingcenter.com. I'm also on Instagram, um, the Compassionate Counselor. You can find me on Instagram as well. But like I said, um, I'm very welcoming. Like I'm more than happy to answer any questions mm-hmm. um, or even just like I think a lot of people are just hesitant and just kind of know what to expect when it comes to counseling um, and the differences between like counseling and life and life coaching and different things like that. And, um, you know, just the importance of taking that first step and asking those questions. And I'm more than happy to act, uh, to answer them as well. Awesome. Awesome. Princess, thank you so much for your time today. This has been very, very informative. And I know it's going to help people that are listening and just trying to understand how to check in. It's been six months. How do we check in with our mental health and 
What are some of the things that we need to do to just continually continue to keep moving forward in a positive space? And I, a lot of takeaways. And the, the one thing here is we have to learn how to balance, right? We got to balance and we got to prioritize things that are important for ourselves. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. It was truly a pleasure. Thank you. That's my time for um, uh, for me today. You guys know where you can find me. Real Chicks Rock. I am everywhere. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Check out our website. It's realchicksrock.com. We're pushing masks and we're pushing T-shirts. Yeah, we're doing it too. We're, we are a small business as well as a, non, a, a nonprofit. So we thank you guys for all the support that you guys have been providing uh, to us. I want to shout out all of our listeners that are listening as far as Germany and Paraguay. Thank you so much, guys, for your support and listening to us. We are super excited that we are reaching the UK and people are checking us out way across the pond. We're going to continue to give you good content. And um, we just thank you so much for checking us out. That's it. That's my time for today. Until next time, you guys be well, take care and continue to rock on. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.